What's going on, everybody? It's the Fly Life Podcast with me, Martin Novak. For this week, I have Greg Phillips on, a.k.a. Overflow FPV. He's an awesome Australian pilot, uh, mostly freestyle, but lately he's been working up a uh, big X-Class rig. So I decided to have him on the show to talk about that, FPV in Australia, how he got into it, what he does for work, because he's got a pretty interesting job, and then the usual FPV and life banter. So I hope you guys enjoy, and I'll see you next week. Yeah, always, always away working, so it's a busy lifestyle, but what do you do for off as well, so... Um, I'm a bricklayer by trade, um, but what I've been doing for the last five years is like thermal bricklaying. Okay. So we go into like mine sites, uh, like gold mines and um, like coal and gas and stuff like that, and we fix basically anything that has heat around it, so like kilns and roasters and just, just anything like that. Dude, yeah. And so usually it's like a third third world countries like West Africa and Papua New Guinea. And yeah, I was going to say, you probably have yeah. to travel a lot for that, huh? Yeah, it's always away from home, which is it's a good and a bad thing because I don't get to fly when I'm away, but yeah. I get a lot of time off when I get back, so that's that's the best part about it. So do you go for like like two weeks or a month on, and then you get the same amount of time off or something? Uh, it's all random. Like sometimes I've been away for four months at a time, and then sometimes I go away for a week. It just depends on the job, really. Do you have a lady? Do you have a girl girlfriend? I don't have a girlfriend. I have like a, a roommate. Okay, uh, cool. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same, those, uh... sa- same here. Just kidding, Brandy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, I find like um, having a partner and go- going away for work all the time doesn't really work that well. And yeah. especially when you get get back from work and you just want to fly drones, it's like it's no time for um. So hard to explain, Relationships. Man. Yeah, You're like, exactly. Nah, it's a really cool thing. I got this X class rig. Like, I'm gonna be busy for the next few days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's crazy, exactly. man, but I'm sure it pays pretty well. You probably get, like, what, hazard pay and everything like that if you're in third-world countries and whatnot. Yeah, that's that's main, like, the main reason I do it is I don't like working, like, a five to nine every day, sort of a nine to five, sorry, every day. I'd rather go away, work for a bit, and then have a bit of time off. So it, it does pay a, a bit more money than the average job, but also the danger's there as well, so. Dangers, and, I mean, that's a heavy time commitment. Like, my old podcast host, uh... Josh Kidder, he would do three months at a time in Afghanistan. And yeah. He's, but he's got, like, two kids and a family, you know? Like, that's rough. Yep. She's yeah, really got to love you. I, I would choose a different career if I had a family like that. It's not could, – it couldn't do it. I mean, for the money, it's if you're by yourself, it's worth it. But, yeah, if, you got, if you're leaving loved ones at home and you're always away, it's not really the best thing for it. Yeah, how do you go from – so, like, when when you were bricklaying, were you just, like, in your area doing construction work or contract work? Yeah, just just building houses, pretty much. I started doing that when I was 16. I left school. Wasn't wasn't good at school at all. Couldn't, yeah. Um, couldn't learn. But like, I'm a more of a hands-on learner person. That's why I like drones. You know, you, you, you're doing everything yourself. It's more of a... You can smell the problems yeah. when it catches on fire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, can, you can figure figure things out. But when someone's, like, looking at me on a blackboard trying to teach me something up there. I can't do that. So I left school and started doing construction. Hell yeah, dude. And uh, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I'm 34 now. 34. Fuck yeah, dude. Well, I mean, that's a pretty good yeah. setup. And I mean, you know, like with the trade jobs, like my, I have, I had two roommates, one of which worked in Alaska six months out of the year and one of which worked at a cement factory and they both had really demanding schedules, but like for a trade job and the benefits and the money, like it was, you know, one of the best things you could do. Yeah, that's it. 
it's good little like set yourself up as well. Yeah, it makes FPV seem a little cheaper, I suppose. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Uh, what about FPV, man? How long have you been flying? Um, so I've been flying FPV for a year and ten months, I think it is now. Since uh, yeah, twenty eighth of January two thousand seventeen. That's when I started. Um, prior to that, I was flying Mavics and Phantoms. Dude, that's to... that's some heavy progress, man. I would have expected way longer. Uh, I think it's just just from video gaming. Eh? I used to play Battlefield Four and fly the chopper all the time. So it's like yeah, one I of those know. dudes. Like oh, everybody no, get in. I got Xbox this. Controller, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> pretty much the same thing. And what was your like? What made you get into it? Um, oh, I was actually one of my mates um, got a Mavic Pro as well, and we'll, it, was, it was almost dark time, and we'll, they've got the I think it's the green LED on the back, so we're chasing each other around in sports mode. Uh-huh. And I think they they reach seventy kilometers an hour, so it's like it's pretty fast, but it's not fast. And then um, I went home that night, and I was like, oh, I've, I've got to get something that's a little bit faster. So I started searching like racing drones and stuff, and pretty much came across Rotorite and steel diving buildings in Atlanta, and I was like. That's it. That's what I want to do. That's it. Yeah. Where do I sign up? Yeah. It's sick. um, It's sick that you got into it though. Like, uh, you know, like after Steel's fame and Rotorite and whatnot, because I feel like that's such a good avenue to like get into or find the hobby. Yeah, it is. So much content. There's a a big difference between Australia and like uh, America with the like not flying styles, but places you can fly. Is like uh, you don't see many Australian diving buildings and. And just flying yeah, that's around true. cities and stuff like that. It's like a bit of a no-no. Yeah, but and you guys have so much space to fuck around in. Yeah, there's heaps of parks and just just there's there's not many bandos though, which is the I think it's, I guess I want to fly more bandos because I can't fly more bandos, but there's heaps of parks, heaps of trees, open spaces, and stuff like that. So yeah, nuts there. I feel you with the bandos. Like, I mean, obviously, like, Steel, Ladrib, and myself, we all live in the same country. But, like, California versus Detroit versus Colorado economies, like, no bandos for us here in Colorado either. Like, our economy, we got legal pot now. Like, everything's way, way too on the up and up. Everything gets rebuilt. But, like, Ladrib in Detroit is just, like, you know, a third of a city empty. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually quite crazy as well, especially, like, I've never been to America before, but if if someone was like, would you like to go? I'd be like, yeah, Detroit, let's go there. Yeah. It's like the last place on the map that you Screw Yellowstone, but... screw California. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I want to go to the Bandit City. Let's go walk around abandoned cities, yeah. Yeah, I think you always kind of crave, though, like what you don't have, right? Like I have mountains and open spaces as well, but like for me, I crave trees that have leaves almost year-round or like of a different shape and bandos because that's what I don't have. Yeah, man, that's it. You always, you always want what you can't have. Every time, dude. Especially with FPV spots. Like, do you feel like you get burnt out on, like, the spots within an hour of your house? Um, what do you mean by that? Like, over them, sort of? Yeah, like, for me now, like, I have, like, a rotation of spots, but I really have to drive, like, almost an hour or more to, like, find something that kind of, like, really excites me. Uh, yeah. See, I, I stick with the same spots as well, and they're, they're usually within like 10 to 15 minutes from my place. I don't really like driving that far. I, I like, I think that if I drive ages away and I crash in a tree, I'm like, there goes a waste of a whole day sort of. Yeah, you got way more riding on it. Retrieval, yeah. And I, I feel there. that. I like being in that like chill mindset where you can just like focus on flying. You're not thinking like, all right, well, it's been two hours to get out here, and you know, I'd hopefully, I hope I don't yeah. blow anything up on this pack. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's usually like, um, I mean, there's plenty of spots over here where we can just drive out and there's not going to be anyone to fly, but it's just trees and stuff like that. So if we were to drive two hours somewhere to actually fly a good spot, it'd probably be like industrial or something like that. And then you run the risk of if there's people going to be there and it's just, yeah. How are people in Australia about like trespassing laws? Like if, you know, like, um, like flying abandoned buildings or like industrial areas and stuff like that, you know, like less population based places, but do I think, really care? I think if you got, if you got caught in a place by security or the police, as long as you didn't have like spray paint and stuff like that in your bag, I don't think they would care at all. It's like, if, if you weren't, if they knew you weren't up to like mischief, then I think they'll let, let you get away, especially a bunch of nerds in there with goggles yeah. on and stuff. They're, they're not, um, they're not That's doing the thing anything. that gets about the, like, yeah, when, when you, they're like, what are you doing? You show them what you're doing. It's just like, you know, the, one of the nerdiest things you could be doing in one of the sketchiest yeah, places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And typically the people don't look, they don't look like those type of people that are there to like cause any drama or trouble. Yeah, you and know? for the most part, I think FPV people are always like, you want to try a set of goggles? Like, I'll take you for a ride. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's it. Yeah, man, the best thing you can do is just jump on, and then next minute they're um, totally wrapped with the situation, and you get to fly the spot longer. So. Yeah, it's just one more pack. And, like, I mean, I'm always down to leave, you know. Like, I if if I know I'm not, like, somewhere where I'm completely supposed to be, like, I'm down to leave, and usually people aren't too mean about it if they're like, hey – that's really cool, but you can't be doing that here. It's just like, all right, well, that's all right. Like, what what yeah, hours do you work? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I see. So I've never really come across anything like that. I, I don't think I've been told off at all for flying. Uh, within like the FPV community, there's been people that haven't liked what I've flown. But when it comes to like the public community, they're usually just like, "Well, dude, that's awesome." Like, yeah, you know, it's usually if I leave a spot, it's because I feel uncomfortable. Like people are watching. I'm like, "Oh, are they going to dob me in? Are they interested?" I'm. It's just I'm like sussing my own self out, so I like pack up and leave. But never any conflicts about it. That's good. Are you one of the people like we talked about this last week with Gap? It where you like fly better by yourself or in like secluded environments where you don't have to worry about people or like people aren't watching and stuff like that. Um. I, yeah, I definitely fly better when I'm on my own because it's a little bit more like you're concentrating more on what you're doing. There's less like people talking to you, but um, it's, all, it's always good as well flying with people. Yeah, flying. different aspects. I, like I enjoy both, but I definitely do my best flights solo. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But you lose but the adventure. If, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But sometimes I'll go to a spot by myself and it might be like a – early morning and it's a like an industrial area area or something like that and i won't enjoy it because i'm like i'm sketching out it's the first time i've flown there and i'm real nervous on the sticks but if i had people there you know you can yeah. calm your nerves down by by talking and and nothing makes you more nervous than basically blindfolding yourself in an unknown environment like yeah, in yeah, sketch yeah. hours of the day <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Although once once you're in the goggles, you kind of forget that you're standing by your car somewhere sketchy, you know, you're yeah. a little bird flying around a building or something. I used to never think about it, and then one time I was up in the mountains at sunrise, and it was like 6.30 a.m., and I was flying, and I was like half a mile out, and I heard something move behind me in the woods. And it was just like the worst. It's like, you know, do I like put this quad on like a terminal path real quick and check what's behind me? Do I really want to deal with what's behind me? Would I rather die an ignorant death? Like, you know. Yeah. See, if you're doing long range, that's different. So 
I've had situations where I've heard someone walking, like I'd be flying near a footpath or something, and because I'm close by, I can just sort of buzz around and see what's going on. Yeah. But not if you're a mile and a half out, you're sort of yeah, yeah you're just lost situation. In the there. goggles, trying to figure out what's going on behind you. You can always just punch out as long as you can. Take the goggles off, quick look, yeah. right back down to earth. Definitely. What uh, when you first got into FPV? Uh, obviously Rotorai, but like, what were some of your favorite pilots? Cause I feel like you have a very, I don't know. I feel like there's maybe like 10, 20 pilots that kind of fly with a certain style and a certain color grading feel in the world. You know? Yeah. The co- <laughs> color grading's, uh, it's like unique to FPV. It's the same, um, same LUTs. Um, originally I started off watching Steel, Gappert, um, Tom Smith. So like those, those general pilots. But um, lately I've just been more, I hate to say it, I've been watching more vloggy stuff, like underrated pilots. Like, not underrated, but like people like Zorro and stuff that they're yeah. not like Mr. Steel, but they're, you know, they're just talking about what's going on and, yeah. Yeah, so it's cool Which, to watch uh, people's like, like I was watching a bunch of your videos today and like the one where you flew like over that canal. Like that never-ending straightaway canal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like just walking out there with friends and like capturing the moment versus like talking to the camera as much is a rule is a is a way better kind of vlog to me. Yeah, it's see, I I, I can't go out there with a vlog in mind. Like I'll just have my camera in the bag and then I'll I'll either pull it out and talk to it or I just won't. I'll just capture the flight footage. So it's like I've never gone out with a mindset of I'm going to do a vlog here and do that. So usually I think on that video in particular, I had no wind mic or nothing. It was just like real windy. I was just like, oh, just down here, blah, blah, blah. It was just like, oh, yeah, same. It's it's the raw the rawness, I think. Yeah, it was sick too. Like you guys were like barefoot just trekking through mud, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like great storyline. Yeah, it's so Australian. Uh, Australia's got to be a sick place to fly though, like – I don't know. Like for me, it just looks so different than anywhere I've ever flown, and it's so massive. Like talking to yeah, Noelle, yeah. she was like, "Yeah, we went on this like however long road trip to like you know get to eight towns over." Yeah, well, they they um, Kevin and Noelle they did live in Northern Territory, so that's it's a little bit different. Like I live quite close to a major city, so it's um the same as they live in in Melbourne now. But um, where yep. they were, where do you yeah, live, real quick? I live on the Gold Coast, which okay. is in Queensland. Okay. It's like the, um, I don't know how you'd say it, like the the Las Vegas of Australia sort of thing. That's what they sort of look at it as. Yeah. Have you lived there your whole life? Uh, I used to live in Sydney. I grew up in Sydney and then okay. um, moved up here when I was 14. Oh, nice. So you've been there a while, 20 years, yeah. 20 yeah. years now? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much did my high school up here and yeah, all my, all my friends and everything from up here now, so... Yeah, and I feel like, I mean, of all remote places, Australia is, like, a pretty good FPV hub. Like, you guys got a pretty good community and, like, some pretty heavy hitters in there. And all really nice people, too, it seems like. Yeah, I think the community is quite great. It just, uh, when it comes to competitions and stuff like that, there's a lot of racing that goes on. But if, if you're not into racing, then other than YouTube, there's nothing really going on for FPV. As in, like, there are freestyle competitions, but it's not the way I see it in America and stuff is there's, there's events going on all the time. We yeah. Hear it might be like once a year, so. They're totally, but I mean, the I think there's, there's more events going on here, but, you know, freestyle is one of those. It's like, it's, no one's figured out how to judge it yet. Yep. yep. You know, 
you get a guy like Air Blaster as a judge versus a guy like Steel, a whole different person's going to win. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of look at it like I'm from a BMX background, and BMX used to be just only racing, and freestyle was like the a small percentage of it, and then eventually the money came into it and it got really big and you've got G Tour and Extreme Games and all these other massive big competitions. So I look at FPV as the same sort of thing. Once the crowd and the funding get there, then there's going to be, obviously freestyle is going to be one of those events that people sit down and watch just like racing. Yeah, and I think like it's a reoccurring thing on here that a lot of the guests that I've had on have some kind of extreme sports background. Like you rode BMX, Sean Kranz, snowboards. Um, I used to race downhill mountain bikes. Like it's all a very, I don't know, it's like a weird, it fits in like a place in your mind that everybody's like feeding this fix. And it's like the same feeling without the skinned elbows, if you know? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> exactly what I say. I said it's just like doing a BMX trick. But I don't have to worry about breaking anything. So yeah, you got to like incorporate your environment and whatnot. Yeah. And I remember like first getting into it, like coming from mountain biking, and I was like, "Oh, I broke a thirty-five dollar motor. Like I'd way rather deal with that than like road rash on my hip." You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or snap a pair of forks or something like that. And... Yeah. What What were or how How long has it been since you were into BMX or road BMX? Um. I think it's probably been, been about three or four years since I've actually rode, but I well, I was riding for 14 years prior to that, so oh, a big chunk of my life. Who were mm. uh, who are some of your favorite riders? Pretty much the guys I rode with. Like uh, Australia has some of the best BMX riders in the world, and they just so happen to come from the areas that I ride with. Oh, sorry, the areas I come from. And um, <clears throat> just, yeah, those guys that I used to hang with were some of like the best influences, I'd say. Yeah, I feel like Australia's got that extreme sports vibe. Like, you know, you look at, like, BMX, skateboarding, like, all of them, like, so many. Even in downhill, like, I don't Like, for us, Sam Hill was, like, world champion for, like, years in a row when he was an Australian guy. And everybody from, like, the Alps and Colorado and stuff is like, where are they finding these mountains to ride? Like, you know, we have these, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. massive ski runs, and these dudes from, like, the high desert are crushing us. Yeah. I'm not sure about skating because I haven't really like partaked much in that. But with BMX at one point, like the at Juto, like first, second, and third war from Gold Coast in Australia. Yeah, he was the huge dude that like made it. Uh, Corey Bowen, he was Australian, wasn't he? Yeah, Corey Bowen. He was. He's from about 15 minutes away from my house. Yeah, Corey Bowen, Ryan Gutler, Kyle Baldock. Oh yeah, um, Ryan Gutler too. Those dudes were like, especially in their prime, they were like video games. It's like watching a sim. Yeah. It's so sick. Yeah, exactly. I think Corey Bowen ended up dating that Audrina from the Hills. I can confirm that. Yeah, so he's all tied <laughs> into the Hollywood scene stuff like that. Yeah. But from if you if you see him where he came from, it's like it's not like it's not a bad area, but it's not a nice area. Yeah, so he really right I think was there. one of the first people to really like start to tie in the media thing and, you know, like make a series not just about writing but about his life like back before vlogging was cool yeah yeah exactly. and a red bull sponsorship definitely helps with a lot of things i think yeah yeah i think that helps <laughs> quite yeah. a bit, yeah. i think he's still sponsored by red bull now yeah he's just like an influencer years, you know yeah like he can't throw Doesn't the sickest tricks he's just at all the competitions and fucking crushing it which i, I agree cool. i think fpv will be like that someday and like all those things like bmx skating like they were super hot at one point, then it dives down, all the people that are hardcore stick around, and it forms into what it's going to be. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think we're starting to deal with that that's, now. That's why I think um, X class is is going to be the future. Not exactly the future of FPV, but it's going to have a big a big deal of FPV. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about that because I mean, X class has been going on for a while, but you're probably the first person that I saw get into X class that also has a sense of like you know, cinematic kind of freestyle or like, it's not just like, you know, like it's very polished looking and then you go ahead and build an X-Class rig. And for people like me, I'm like, well, shit, if he's doing it, like there's gotta be something to it. You know, you're not just a racer building an X-Class rig. Yeah. I have to admit, I didn't, I didn't particularly want to build an X-Class. Um, the project was funded by Mayhem RC, which is the shop that I fly for. Um, he came to me and asked if I wanted to build an X-Class and I was like, yeah, we'll give it a go. And I was kind of, I was losing interest a little bit in FPV at that time, which is only like three or four weeks ago. Um, and then I went out to fly. <laughs> which is like two years in FPV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I went out to fly it and um, I took off and it desynced and I broke two props. I didn't have any spare props because they're quite expensive. So I was just like, I'll, I'll just fly my five inch. And for some reason, I just fell back in love with flying again. And it was just, but when I started flying that X class, it's like next level, just the sound of it and the the feel of it. I don't know, it's crazy. What is it like? Does it feel way different than a five inch quad? Um, I I've got I've got a stingy, so it's a five inch with low KV motors on 4S. It's running uh-huh. seventeen fifty KV. Feels exactly like that. You run seventeen fifty KV on 4S. Yeah, I just did it as like a um, I was I didn't have any like success capable anything like fcs or ecs or anything all batteries itself so i just got some low kv just to see if i could get like a long flight time i got like nine minutes 36 on a five inch not too bad on a five inch with dual blades and a 2200 mark for us dude that's pretty you could you could go far with that yes yeah, that that was my long range quad but at the time i had the hero six on it and in australia they're quite expensive plus there's no insurance so i'd, I'd go out at probably like one kilometer then turn around to vote. Dude, i don't want to lose it how much is a gopro out there um the hero seven i think is it's either 599 or 499 i think it's 599 but um we don't have the best buy yeah yeah i feel like that swap, and, I, I, swap I, and go you must just fucking hate us <laughs> Like that's for, uh, it's, for FPV. It's the like, perfect plan. It's yeah, it's perfect for you guys. Like we have insurance, but it's like it's an insurance claim. And it's, you know, yeah, you don't just go to the counter and you're like, you. "Give me the yeah, next one." It's not just, yeah, um, my GoPro's like um, it's really bent, and I think I dropped it and it just broke. They're like, "Yeah, no, nah, sorry." But um, yeah, so each time you break a GoPro, it's at least three hundred dollars or five hundred dollars if you're running a Hero. Yeah, that's. I remember before Best Buy warranties, and for a while, like back when I was broke, I was super cheap, and I would buy them like off of eBay, you know, like just a used Hero, and then you don't yep. get any warranty. And it seemed like a smart idea at the time, but then it's just like, yeah, like two, three hundred bucks every time. And especially yeah. if it wasn't something like I can stomach a hard crash trying to do something really epic. Like at least I can like my pride can deal with it. But if it's like I just didn't see that light post because the sunset, you know. I, I always find if you're going to break a GoPro, it's not doing something that you really want to do. It's like, oh, I might try to hover under this little tiny sign or something, and then you you hit it and flap down and break your lens, and you're like, oh, just I catch just it like, right I on hit, it. 
yeah, I hit a wall at a 60k an hour and nothing happened and I just tapped this little sign and I cracked it. That's, that's the way I break everything anyway. Yeah. Stupid I was, stuff. I was flying a day and I landed on my car and there was a truck driving by and it like was slowing down by me. So on the top of my car, I yawed my quad just to like look over at him. And I didn't realize it was the edge of the car, and the thing just fell off the roof of my car and broke the ND filter. I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were going to say it rolled under the truck. That's, no, that's no. where I thought that was going. Thank that God for that. Bad. But still, just like, you know, I would have rather broken an ND filter like trying to power loop a bench or something. Yeah. yeah. I, I need to get some ND filters because the sun's like, it's extreme yeah. at the moment. Some of your videos look like you're on Mars for sure. Yeah, I, I've got like the settings as down as like like the shutter speed down, everything to run it like as low as I can, and yeah, without ND filters, it's just super bright. You do all your stuff without ND filters up until this point. I don't have any ND filters for any anything. Not, I'll delete this part out because you had me fooled. No ND fil. I don't even have ND filters for my um like Sony cameras or nothing. I've just it's always just shutter speed, just crank it up a bit, you know. Yeah, definitely. Do you think um, like proper GoPro settings are something that's overlooked in FPV? Um, I'm not too sure because I, I personally just run like I'll put it to 2.7K super wide and then GoPro color and that's all I do. I just leave it at that. That's it. So, and then do you do 60 frames, 30? Do 30. 30. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I've only, I only did 30 frame because the computer I was using, I couldn't do much like 60 frame or 120 FPS stuff. It just glitch out or take forever to render or export. So, but I've got a new PC now. So I just started that changing one, settings on that one twenty two point seven wide. Here I come. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, going back to the X class though, I mean, a, the build looks super clean, man. Like, you know, like uh, what you call that, like the mesh sheathing on the wires. I mean, A, I think it might be a little easier to look clean because you got so much space. You know, like your flight controller in there looks like a thumbnail. Yeah, it's tiny, <laughs> especially the camera in there. But that's the thing about them is they it's kind of like, like a, I've never worked on a go-kart per se, but in my thought process it's, it'd be like working on a go-kart like you've got it in the garage it's you know you can walk around it you can look you underneath need, it and to, you so it makes stand, it easier yeah. yeah you're not you're not doing tiny little wires and stuff like that so you've got you've got the room to put the mesh on and to make it all look pretty put a bit of time and effort into it yeah definitely and it's one of those things that like knock on wood hopefully you won't be you know obliterating too much until i start racing is that I what your goal is with it Oh, I, it wasn't intentional. Like, I didn't want to do that at the start, but just like flying around and, and going as fast as you can, I think with other people there and especially with people in the way of a gate, I think that could potentially be a lot of fun. Yeah. Sort of like, it'd be like, um, like pod racing off Star Wars, I think. Definitely like pod racing and so much room for LEDs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'd be able to finally see what you're chasing. Like, yeah. Not just a tiny little dot in there. We did, uh, uh, Nodeva FPV and I did like a film day with the Titan Grand Prix guys, the guys that beat the Formula E car when Zach Thayer flew it. I don't know if you ever saw that video. Yep. Yeah, but those... yeah, it crashed at the end, didn't it? Yeah, it desynced, funny enough. Yeah, okay, yeah. But uh, those things were uh, 1600 millimeters 12S. 
Okay. What sort of speeds were they doing? Uh, I think they were topping around around 80 or 90, but they had the double props on each arm, so they had over-under. Yep. So it was like the amount of torque or like grip on the air it had was insane. But it was so big that like the technology for the one they built, like for that race, didn't have like ESC braking, you uh, know, or stuff like that. It was still like very 2015 technology. Yeah, that's I, I get a lot of comments when I post the videos and stuff, and they're like, "Why? Why are the props so small? And why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? And like, it'd be good if you could, but the." there's not that many companies developing such things for them so you could put some low kv motors on but then you can't run them on 12s or 8s or they're going to cost you 400 bucks each it's just the market's not there so once that all catches up then you'll be able to pretty much do what you want yeah what uh talk me through your setup what's your frame everything on that thing um so the frame's custom made it was made by a guy that lives on the gold coast named scott um Eventually, we're going to be putting out the files so people can cut it themselves or just buy a kit. Um, the PDV is also Australian-made. It's rated for 12S by APD. The flight controller is just a beta flight F3 out of my Chameleon, running my Chameleon PIDs and filter setup. That's funny. Um, yeah, I literally just put it in there and I said, oh, I'll see how it flies before I start tinkering with it. And it flew. Like, it does, it does have wobbles and stuff, but it flies pretty good compared to like some of the other ones you see out there. Yeah. Um, ESCs, uh, they're B-Rotor 80 amps, and the motors are T-Motor F1000 kV. Oh, yeah, what size prop? They're 13 by 12. I think they buy Master Air, those props. Master Air, so sure. There's a lot of props out there, but I just found out, because um, we want to get dual blade props to, to sort of like do a top speed run. And um, found out that the props that we need, uh, most of the time they're for aeroplanes, so they don't actually come in a left and a right, or yeah. clockwise and, and counterclockwise. So we've got to sort sort that out. But it's just people aren't making parts for them at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's so rare. And with the price, the barrier to entry is so high because, like, what, a proper X-Class bill is like 1200 bucks or something? Yeah, it's cost about 1700 Australian yeah. for this one. And if yeah. you snap props, they're twenty five Australian dollars each. So. Yeah, it's like a whole different kind of flying session, man. Yeah, yeah. It's like a track day yeah, Ferrari. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but the joy from flying it makes it all worth it. I mean, like if I've had Phantoms and stuff like that, and you you pay two thousand dollars for them straight up, and this That's this true. is way this is much funner than a Phantom. Yeah, and you can still like strap your GoPro on it. And do you see any advantage of an X class for like freestyle in terms of like flying massive mountains or anything like that? Uh, no, nah, not not at all. I think for freestyle, like five five six inches is where basically that is. I th I think for X class, other than like spectator sport and racing, I think maybe they could have maybe market in like high speed chase film sort of stuff. Where I don't know, like chasing a motorbike, and you got to go through a cornfield, like through tiny gaps, and then chase the bike. That's where I think that sort of market will come out. I guess you could well, carry a, a, like a you know a better camera without much effort. You know, like not necessarily like a full DSLR, but like I know Blackmagic makes that like mini camera that's like eighteen hundred bucks. It does like yeah. one hundred twenty frames a second with autofocus. Yep. You just have to get a gimbal that could obviously handle that outside air force and then, yeah that's a, yeah. a gimbal that's rated for like 90 miles an hour with direction changes yeah. within a 10 foot box 
Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and some real good, real good PID, PID custom tuning and software on it. Yeah, I, I would be curious to tune one of those things because, like, just to see where the numbers end up at, you know, cause like tuning a tiny wood, which is the polar opposite, your PIDs are at, like, 200 on those beta FPV boards. Like, it's through the roof. But I guess the yeah. authority of an X-Class quad might not be that different than a 5- in- or a 6-inch quad if your PIDs are working. Yeah, like, a lot of people say you have to um, you have to turn the your gains up, but mine – pretty much what I would run on my chameleon and it, it feels like it is heavy. You can feel the momentum in it when you're turning, but it, it turns pretty sharp. You can, I did try to do like a front flip 360 and it just completely wigged out the flight controller. I, I'm not sure how, but it somehow corrected it back up and I, I became just level again. But ended up, <laughs> oh, this is too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's as soon as I went for the roll, it just went out of control basically. Yeah, it would be sick to see some real, like, juicy flicks and shit like that with an X-Class. Like, you'd be covering a football field in one, like, forward flick. Yeah, exactly. But also, if you crash, it'd be good. I I would like to see what happens on, like, a big proper crash, like, what sort of things you'd break. Obviously, I I don't want it to happen to me, but... I'd love to see the video. (laughs) Mm. If the slow-mo guys on YouTube would film that, that'd be sweet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I spoke to Chad Capper and I said he needs to work with those guys because there's a lot of like drone related material that could come from the slow motion. Dude, that would be so sick. Seeing some crashes like that, like DRL did it before they were even a thing where they had steel and Tommy just fly him into the wall. Like, yeah, so full bore. I I mean that, I hate crashing, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> it, that should be a YouTube channel. They just uh, get all the the hype parts and hype frames and just build them all up together and just thousand frames a second into a wall. You'd be sick to have like a crash test rating company for parts for drone parts. Here's T motor, you know, F one thousands on this frame going into a concrete wall at 80 kilometers an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You could go through the parts list and go oh no, no, don't want, yeah, I'll get these. These ones did the damage pretty good. Yeah. Uh, real quick, one thing I noticed about your profile is Skyzone V1s, dude. Let's talk about it. I think, well, <laughs> fat sharks don't fit my head. I'm one of those people. Well, I, it... I guess I could get the thing that changes on you around your eyes, but they feel real tight on my head. Um, I, I thought the Sky Skyzone V1s when I bought them, which was probably a year ago now. I thought they were the bee's knees when they came out. I was like, Fat Sharks, Sky Zone, Fat Shark. Yep, Sky Zone, got them. But when I bought them, I also realized that I bought the V1, not the V2, because the yeah. V2 had come out then. But um, I, I still rock them. And Dude, they're, they're great. Good. I started on those. They're great goggles. Yeah. I don't, like, when I try my friend's goggles, the image looks clearer, but it's not like, it's not a $700 difference to me or yeah, $500 yeah, difference. It's like, it's like, oh, yep. And then I go get like a, a new camera, like a Predator or something. I'm like, oh, my image is just as good I'm as back, yeah. So, yeah, it changes. And it's all 16 by 9 as well, so nice and widescreen. Yeah, I remember when I went from those to the HD3s, and uh, the HD3s had like bigger screens, and like they felt a little bit better, but I did miss the wide Sky zones, and back in the day, they were like turnkey diversity, like two years before anybody else was. Yeah, you could just tune. I only, I only realized how old my goggles were the other day when I was looking up the. um, I think there's a V3 of these goggles out now, and I was looking at the release date, and I was like, oh, 
my goggles are quite old. <laughs> yeah. was, they must have been old when I bought them, so. But they do the job, and the only thing that annoyed me is I didn't have DVR, so I went and purchased, like, a one of those little screens. Yeah. So I can record, record DVR now. Yeah. Just once I got the micro, I thought, yeah, like, put a little bit of DVR up there. What about uh, what about the rest of your setup? What are you flying? What's your go-to 5-inch? Um, uh, obviously, it's a, a rooster or a chameleon. Actually, probably Rooster. I've been flying the Rooster since its since its release, and um, I have like two or three of those. Couple of backup. I only really have one or two quad going at per at a time, like freestyle quads. Yeah, and it's yeah, usually one and two, and then you'll break apart, take it off, put it on there. There it goes. There, and just maintain that one quad. All right, I got three more spare of... motors. I just got to pull them off. <laughs> yeah, <I need> them. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, pretty much a Rooster. Uh, or the X-Class. I've been flying that a lot. And what's your rooster setup like? Flight controller motors, ESC, all that jazz? Uh, okay, so I've been using the DYS F4 um, pretty much since its release. And I, I I love that flight controller. It's been my go-to. I've had about six or seven of them. Pretty much put them in all my quads. Um, motors, I've been in love with the 2600KV T-Motors. Mm-hmm. Uh, ESCs, I just use any ESC. I don't really notice a difference in brands or D-shot, multi-shot, anything. So that doesn't bother me. And Unify and Crossfire Unify. and cameras the same. I just run any camera, anything that's laying around or that fits. Yeah. I'm not particularly fussy. I just, if it flies good, I'm, I, I won't change it. I'll, I'll leave it. Yeah, I, that's all. I mean, I would never be able to tell that that's your attitude by your footage because I think, I mean, you have super good footage, crispy. And the first video I ever noticed of yours, I think, was about a year ago of you flying like over water when it was super dark out, and yeah, uh, yeah. you were like super fucking low, and you just held the attitude for what seemed like forever. That was with the five inch, with the low KV stingy. Yeah, because it's, just, it's yeah. easier to hold attitude in that because you're at like 75 percent throttle just to just to hover so it's just you just hold it's it there like tiny whoop syndrome there. yeah you have to like bop over something there's no you can't do it you just gotta miss it or crash yeah. into it and are you like religious about tuning or anything like that or do you go with like stock tunes and stuff like that uh i don't particularly believe in stock tunes because i've come from a photography background where I've used three axis gimbals and you've got you've got a pit controller on that as well, so you have to tune that when you're running different lenses and yep. setups and stuff. So it's technically the same thing as a quad. So I've been tuning ever since I started flying. I don't don't believe in stock pids, and I, I don't think I would fly them. Yeah, they, I mean, Cause, like cause they're if, getting better, but uh, every time I've ever flashed stock pids like Beta Flight, Flight One, Kiss, it's like. Yeah, this is pretty good, but you know it always leaves yeah, something to be desired. Yeah, just you know, you only have to tweak it a little bit, and you can really feel the difference in the sticks. I think without even like touching rates or anything from from a stock tune. But um, yeah, I I won't go out and tune all the time. I just basically copy and paste my pids from different, like uh, from the chameleon to the rooster, and and it usually flies. Or well, as the X class, an example, it flies pretty fine when you just swap pids. So, yeah, like you, as long as you're running a similar setup, like a GoPro on the front and you know top mount battery and stuff like that, it's going to fly very similar. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think I've had like within one or two numbers like the same pids for like a year. 
Yep. Even across different bills, I just like copy and paste it. I'm like, oh, maybe I should like turn up I a little bit or whatever. But for the most part, it's like the same thing. Yeah, it's just you start playing around with things, and then they start you start getting oscillations and stuff like that, and you, you have to actually go and tune again. Yeah, especially if you don't have ND filters in, you're in the bright sun. That's where everything comes out. The worst of the worst. I, I try. I try to film in the morning, or sorry, fly in the morning or in the afternoon. That way I don't have to deal with like midday sun, 400 degrees, overexposure by like 200%. Yeah, it's just white when you look up at the sun. <laughs> Everything. Uh, it's white. Yeah, white and depressing. You hand roll SIGs or is that a J ski? <coughs> hand roll SIGs, yeah. Dude. I got, I've got a base as well, but just always get the, um, the liquid in my mouth. Oh man, that's makes not, me sick. That's like, yeah, it fucks with my stomach too if I get it in my mouth, dude. But hand rolled cigs mm. are so fucking good. Do you smoke still, or you, you the vape? Uh, I only smoke when I hang out with Christian Avedon, no Deva FPV. Uh, like for the most part, I vape. Like I have a little jewel, um, and then I have my regular big vape. But it just doesn't replace the ritual of a cigarette and the five minute break yeah. from life. Yep, yep. You know, and especially uh, the five, yeah, five minute break from work. Yeah, and like I used to be a lot heavier in the cigs when I worked in a kitchen. You know, it was like go out back, have a cig break, then go back in there and make some more food and shit like that. But I think I I could see some pipe tobacco in my future as an old guy for sure. Nice old school pipe. You don't see much. Uh, is it? Is that like a common thing? Not from? super common, pretty rare, but I just love the smell of pipe tobacco. Right, yeah. I used to mix it into with some sage and like other Native American spices and mix that into weed, and that was like my jam for a couple of years. It was like some good nice, spliffs, nice. but with some herbal herbal additives. That's um, the spirit. Yeah, and then, yeah, I smoked American spirits for a long time, speaking of spirit. <laughs> Is that the tobacco brand? Yeah, it's a tobacco brand. It's a, a regular filtered cigarette, but it's like organic, all natural tobacco. So it's just raw oh, cut, okay. no additives, um, which I like more. But you know, they take like ten minutes to burn. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. I used to. Um, oh, I lived in Germany for six months, and my favorite cigarette was Lucky Strike, and it was only because of uh, the World War Two movies. Yeah, I used to watch and see Lucky Strikes. Yep, get a packet of them. I didn't particularly like the taste of the smoke, but the packet's yeah. cool, so just go with it. Yeah, Europe is what got me into smoking. Like I had friends and roommates that always smoked. I never did, and then I spent two months in Europe one summer and came back a smoker. Because you, oh, know, okay. you, you can yeah. smoke inside, like order yeah. a drink, have a cig, talk to somebody. They're smoking a cig. It's just way more socially acceptable. Yeah. Here, oh, it is change, changing yeah. now, but yeah, it'd be the same as over here. It's it's not socially acceptable. It's... Yeah, like here in Boulder County, like in Boulder, Colorado, where there's like the main walking part of the like main street, you're not allowed to smoke cigs on the street or sidewalk until after 10 p.m. Like even oh, okay. outside, like they're you, you get gotta... fined. Yeah, I think it's like 50 bucks, but like nothing makes you feel more like a crack addict than like having to go into a back alley just to smoke a cig, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I've seen a few um, uh, like skit comedy skits where they just continually they go out for a smoke at work and they just got to walk and walk and walk and then they get to this destination and it's like nothing's there and it's cold and they're sitting there by themselves <laughs> having a smoke. 
Yeah, you get a good Shite outcast. But vaping's the same way. Like that almost like we were talking with Gap last week makes you feel more douchey. Like going into an airport smoke lounge with a vape, you're just like everybody looks at you just vape, like you're yeah. like a vegan or some shit. Like Yeah. The best thing about that though is you can go into the toilets and vape if you want to. Oh or dude, every time. Go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like on my flight get back off from... the plane and just <laughs> Yeah. I only just realized that on the planes the the sensors they say obviously you can't smoke or use um vaping devices and I thought as if they've like changed the sensors over and and my mate goes, Can you vape in plane toilets? And I was like, Yeah, I do it all the time. So he, he did it on the way back and the alarm started going off and the people opened the door and he was he had to like sit down and pretend he was going to the toilet. What are you doing? He's like, I just sprayed some aftershave, uh, some cologne. Ah, like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, that's a good excuse, so, uh, dude. Um, that's a really good yeah, excuse. Any like <clears throat> any deodorants or anything like that set him off. Apparently. Yeah, um, that's really good because uh, I'm not going to allegedly. I may or may not have vaped my whole 10 hour plane ride to Europe, but <laughs> I gave it some serious thought and I I stayed away from the bathroom because I was like, this this singles me out. If I vape in the cabin and yeah. hide it, I got safety in numbers. It could be anybody yeah, exactly. in here, you know. And uh, I didn't bring like my big vape, like the one that I can, you know, blow huge clouds with. I just brought like the little e-cig jewel and uh, just ghosted it, you know. Like the person next to me didn't even know I was hitting the vape. Yep, yep. Just no, blow it for your shirt or something. Yeah, dude. Put on ten hour flight in the dark. Put on a movie and put the blanket over your face. You know, like like you're watching the movie and it's all suspenseful. Yeah, yeah. You need to do that with like a, um, a little THC jewel stick or something like that. Dude. You can enjoy your 10 hour flight. Yeah, that's, I, I'm all about eating edibles before flights. Like, I don't do it like coming back home because I don't like traveling with them. Like, I don't mind traveling around the US with edibles in my bag, but I don't like going through customs with edibles in my bag, like going into the EU or something. I don't fuck with that because I just wouldn't even want to make that phone call home. Be like, hey, mom, I'm at the, em- <laughs> yeah, I'm at yeah. the embassy. And <laughs> yeah, I'm on a new TV show about um, being yeah. stranded abroad. Yeah, exactly. Just smuggling. But, uh, I mean, I love being, you know, like t- super high on planes. It's like the greatest place to be high because if you need something, you can just hit a button and they'll bring it to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, yeah. I just need more water and a ba- another bag of peanuts, please. Thank you. Well, we don't really have that um, the law over there for for that. What's the, yeah? What's the punishment for marijuana in Australia? Uh, I'm not like let's sure. say you got, let's say you get caught, not like even smoking weed, but like you have like a joint in your pocket. Uh, they probably probably let you go. I would say if it was just a joint, if you had like seven grams or fourteen grams or something like that, then they I think they um make you if it's your first time offense they make you do some sort of like drug rehabilitation course yeah. learn about drugs and stuff like that yeah apparently that's pretty funny as well because it's all like the old, shit. the old <laughs> yeah. like info they're teaching you and you're just like yeah no nah. but um <clears throat> I, I don't know i've never been caught myself so i wouldn't be able to say you, you still go to jail and stuff if you're growing it like it's not if it's yeah. your first time offense, but if you if you get caught growing it a few times, you'll probably do some time. It's not, yeah. it's not too bad. It's, I mean, people aren't getting shot over it, and if you yeah, if you got seven grams, you're not going to go to prison over it. Yeah, that's chill. I mean, like, yeah, don't get caught with like a scale and baggies. But if you're just a casual smoker, you'll probably be fine. 
Yeah, I think if you went through the airport with a joint, it'd be a different story. You'd probably run into like the federal police or something like that. But yeah, dude, that would be like drone pilot gets caught with marijuana. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's before I go. Before I go overseas, like because when I went to West Africa, you, you go through Dubai and fucking France and Paris. You go through all different countries just to get to where you got to go, and um. I make sure my bags are completely clean and all my clothes and pockets are empty. I go through everything, just same thing. They want to get to Dubai and be making that phone call. Yeah, just dude, for just like, be, just for like you had some like shake in the bottom of your backpack from yeah, some that's, time like three months ago. Yeah, that's all it takes. Eh? A little bit of crumb and maybe ten years or your life or something like that. Yeah, especially in a so, place yeah. like Dubai, dude. <laughs> yeah, you probably. You'd probably <clears throat> be best off just diving buildings there you you wouldn't even get in trouble yeah especially if you used a whoop (laughs) (laughs) you fly micros at all um i fly a 2.5 inch but it's it flies more like a 5 inch than anything it's like it's on 3s and it just it runs like a beast i feel like it really those things you gotta rip dude yeah i i did fly the old tiny whoops when they were brushed i haven't tried like a brushless whoop yeah, I haven't tried to brush this whoop either. I run like I have a new brushed whoop, and uh, I mean it. It flies great, but it definitely takes me like two to three packs to get used to it. Like my mm, throttle yeah. thumb, especially, and then when I go back to my five inch, like the hover point is you know sixty percent shorter in the throw, so yeah, it's like yeah. way way more touchy. Like if I'm always worried about like flying under something and like bopping my five inch into the ceiling of it, like overcorrecting with a throttle, but. You know, what, like what's your five inch? Uh, I run a Craft Quads Low Flow. I got. No one's gonna be able to see this, but it's just a super slammed toilet tank right, five to- inch toilet tank. Yeah. Do you like toilet tank? I haven't experimented with it yet, so I'm not too you sure know, the main. I can't say it offers huge flight characteristics. It does make pid tuning a, le- a lot easier because my roll and pitch are almost the same with the weight distribution. Okay. And I think yep. that opening up, like when you turn the battery sideways, you open two slots of air from side to side. And I think it helps the yaw authority a little bit. You get more moving air around mm-hmm. the quad instead of like having, you know, like a bookshelf in the middle. Yeah, yeah. But I, uh, you know. It's like anything in FPV. I've some of my favorite videos have all been made on completely different setups. There's no like yeah, not so. it's all about I think knowing and being comfortable with your like you were saying like just having the same setup and copying it over and being comfortable with what you got. Yeah, yeah. I I try to um fly like I I, I all my freestyle Quads are pretty much the same thing, but I have like the long range thingy and then the long range chameleon and the little micro. And I try to fly different style of quads as well. So you like, <clears throat> I hate when you just get locked in to the one feeling of the quad. So you like fly your friend's quad and you're like, oh, this feels really weird. It's really weird. I enjoy like flying different quads, basically having them feeling different. That way you don't just get trapped to the same thing. Yeah, it's funny. I'm like, I'm like the polar opposite of that. Like, I've, I've had the same frame and basically set up for almost two years now. Like, I'm all about, like, because, like, I mean, you know, it's all personal preference, but I like just being able to pick up my quad and it just, it feels exactly how I remember everything about flying. Do um, you long, long range with your freestyle quad? I do, yeah. Yeah, so it's I just think, the, it's an everything. 
I, I feel like it's, yeah, it's my everyday quad and, you know, long range, like where I live in Colorado, like we have some great long range spots and people are always like, oh, I need to build this seven inch rig and whatnot. And I'm like, dude, you can take your five inch quad a mile out and you should do that and turn around and see what it looks like. Like, if you don't think that's far, like that to me is like the first time you go like a mile out, you know, which is like what? one and a half kilometers or whatever and you turn around you're like where the fuck am i (laughs) yeah it's so easy to get lost isn't it yeah (laughs) landscapes look different i i mean i've done that a few times um i've turned around and i'm like i've just like got nice footage and then the next footage is like me searching the area like where to go shit where am i fly 30 seconds this way and then do some more looking around and fly over that way just ruin like the whole the whole clip what's the biggest like elevation change you can get to like mountains hills because i feel like for long range that's the best right because you're flying up and away so you get the best video the best rf link if you're flying long range in like a big flat area it's it gets pretty tough after like half a mile yeah i see that's why i don't do like super long range stuff i'm usually like at the bottom of the mountain or you could say it's a hill, not really a mountain. They're not that big where, I'm, where I live. Um, I'm, no, I'm normally not going out that far. I just make it look like it is. Like I'll stand somewhere and then track back so you can't see where I am. Oh, uh, yeah, so like pass yourself you know, in the run. Yeah, so you get yourself an extra, it looks like an extra kilometre or something like that. So, But if you total it out, it's probably only 1.5 kilometres. I haven't Which really done super far, long. dude. Like that's so it is far. St- it is. It's a. It's a very long walk, and it's also. Yeah, I was gonna long say that's run. mandatory. Two to three hours of searching. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's great. By the time you walk there as well, you're like, did I go down over here or over here? And you're running. Um, you're running Sky Zone, so there's no DVR recording. <laughs> you yeah, yeah. Use your memory. Yeah, people like you could totally wing it flying far away for so long, like without all the gear, like DVR and stuff like that. But in that moment, man, like the first time I had DVR in a crash where I was far out, it was just like, you know, it puts you within like 20 feet on the first try versus yeah, you like yeah. trying to reimagine your line. You're like, oh, okay, I turned left yeah. around that rock and then I saw this tree and then it went black. Yeah, see, we don't have many rocks, it's just all trees. Yeah, it's, you know, so, uh, and your trees I, are I, so I, sick. No, it's it's different. Like the in, in a like an oval or something where we fly freestyle, that's pretty good trees. Not good trees. Like I think Tom Smith has good trees. They're the trees that I'd like to fly. They're like big round looking, yeah, balls of leaves. You just match the but, curve um, of it. Yeah, just with a well, especially where I live. Like if I wanted to do some long range mountain stuff, it's just like mountains of trees. Yeah, uh, you can't like just, get down uh, into it. Yeah, it's just yeah, just treetop everywhere, and it, and it, and it looks. You look at it with your eyes, and you go, "Oh, that's a nice mountain." And then you go on the goggles, and you're like, "Oh, it's super far away, and it's very mellow." It looks almost <laughs> just, flat. Just like going, yeah. yeah, going up a hill. I, I went and flew out a dam, and the dam wall looks quite steep. And I got in the goggles, and I was like, oh. <laughs> "It was just like a big driveway, basically." So unimpressed. Yeah. Dude, finding dope spots to fly at, especially once your skills get better, is harder. Like, and it's so random. Like, sometimes I'll find a park with like five trees that are spaced perfectly the way I like, and I can just get in my zone with them. And then sometimes it'll be like a really cool looking spot, and there's just like no lines. Like, each little gap has scraggle in it. 
But from like yeah. you know a distance, it looked amazing, and then you get there and you're like, I can't make shit happen here. Yeah. Do you fly fast? Is it like a what's what's your angle at? Uh, I run twenty to twenty five, but I run a one point eight lens, so I have like a real you know like I could be like forty five degrees pitch down and still see the horizon. Uh, okay, um, yeah, yeah. But I. Generally, I fly very slow at the start of a pack, and I like for me, I have to get a three-dimensional map of the space first to where – because I think the sickest tricks are the ones that are kind of blind, you know, like yep. where you like nose down, throttle, and flick it forward and frame something in the shot, stuff like that. So I have to get like a um, like gauge of that, and then what happens is my first like three to four packs are like mellow. Then my next three to four packs are like very smooth and sick, and then my last three to four packs are like greedy, tapping shit, getting hyper close, <laughs> you know, like little corrections and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Slow, fast? Um, I run your videos just dropped. Yeah, uh, I run twenty eight degrees, so I think it feels pretty fast. That's pretty sometimes quick. I try to go slow, but it's. Yeah, it's always just just hooking, I guess. Yeah, like I just built up a Willard rig that can go to zero camera angle. Like my frame can can't go any lower than fifteen because there's a standoff in the in the way. But I just went to a Willard frame, and it, it was weird how much control I felt like I had at slow speed. Like with a quad with a little bit of tilt, it feels like you're walking down a set of stairs looking at the ceiling. You know, like you're kind of walking down, like you can kind of tell where you're going when you're trying to fly super slow. But like flying something with like a 10 degree tilt is like I could just move it like half a meter and stop half a meter and stop like so much control in it. But then you get going and you're just staring at the ground. Yeah, that's what I like about a higher tilt is when you when you take off and you get into that that little tilt you're just automatically going like it almost looks like you're on a track on a rail sort of thing where if you're a low angle you sort of like if you're not used to it especially you punch up too high and you're bobbling around a bit but uh, what i was going to say is sometimes when you go to a spot and you can't you can't fly it because you like can't fly the lines it was too tight i'll slow my camera angle down a bit and it's like a complete different spot from that point yeah that's a really good call actually like changing it up to the spot because some spots you know like if the trees are 60 meters apart versus 20 like you're dealing with a whole different kind of throw and velocity and everything yeah exactly or a bando especially where you're like trying to make it down a staircase or do like power loop back into like a duct fan or something yeah i i went to a bando with kevin and noelle and I, Dude. it would have been 20 28 degrees the place is hectic, eh? It's, it's Dude, like, I just watched that. So much, is, hap- yeah. <clears throat> the, the so first, much is happening so quickly. The first run you did through there where you, like, knife edge through the hand railing and then barely missed that cable hanging from the ceiling. It's Dude. all just fluke, though. It's like yeah, so <laughs> you only just you, see I, it before it happens. Yeah, but so fucking perfect, though. Like, the knife edge and then you miss that cable by, like, the better part of two centimeters. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Kevin and myself had a little competition to see who could who could get through that little knife edge section, and um, a lot of props a lot of props went down there. Yeah, that place was just scary. There's dust everywhere and asbestos and just, yeah, asbestos will get you, man. <laughs> yeah, that's not creep now. Up on 30, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Years time, you'd be sitting there with an emphysema or something in your hospital bed thinking about that bando experience and was it worth it 
Yeah, we went to uh, with Kidder and Gappet. We went to a whole abandoned like suburban neighborhood on a military base. It was a square mile of abandoned houses, like a whole oh, wow. like a neighborhood. But it, the reason it was abandoned was asbestos, and uh, oh, yeah. like Kidder crashed his quad into the wall of one of these buildings on the inside, like into the insulation. And I was like, "Don't even fucking come near me with that!" Like, yeah, you go get the hose out and wet yeah. it all down first, and then. Mask up. I'm better off with like 30 years of pack a day than 10 minutes around that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, exactly. Pick pick your lines. Uh, What about FPV for you? Like you were saying you were getting burnt out on it for a bit there and then it kind of like came back to you. Like I feel like a lot of pilots that really care about their footage and their flying kind of go through that, you know, ebbs and flows of like – this month it was amazing. Next month I was kind of like frustrated with it. Are you – like what are you trying to do with FPV? Do you have like a goal in mind or are you just trying to fly for fun and create content? Yeah, just just as a hobby. I, I have like – I don't like mixing work with hobbies. Like I, I used to do that with photography. It was a hobby and then I made it a job and then I started losing passion for it because of that. So with FPV I just particularly wanted to be – strictly create content for my own personal like i like creating stuff so that's for that and just flying for my own enjoyment whatever comes from it comes from it but i'm not here to like <clears throat> push push it to become yeah. a full-time job or anything yeah if someone offered you the same amount of money you make for your in like thermal brick insulation laying you do now would you say yes or no most definitely, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Just because of the the work I do, it's not like it's not that enjoyable. It, it has a it has an element of danger to it as well. So <clears throat> it's like a lot of confined space working. So yeah, I'd I'd rather build drones or fly drones for the same sort of money for sure. Yeah, and what about you know like not necessarily like being like a freestyle FPV pilot, but like doing like the air blaster Johnny kind of stuff where you're. Like brought in to capture a moment with your piloting skills versus like go rip a line, you know? Yeah, I would, I would like to do that. I think it's the licensing that has kind of held me back from that. But uh, like I was explaining with the X class, I think there's a market for like high speed chase filming with like a Rally particular cars, skill yeah. set. Yeah, like, yeah, just like uh, even with extreme sport, like you could follow along with Monster or Red Bull and just the stuff that they film. It would it yeah, it would be sick to be like a Red Bull pilot, and you're like yeah. you know, even if it was like you're the equivalent of like a Red Bull cinematographer, like you're on the staff, not an athlete. That would still be super yeah. sick. Yeah, it's just like my theory is that like, say they had to use a helicopter for a high speed chase. I mean, there's a lot of money involved in setting up a helicopter gimbal plus fuel piloting, and all that sort insurance. of stuff compared to yeah. a yeah, exactly compared to a three thousand dollar drone. Of, you know something that can do 200 kilometers an hour and yeah and like what they're doing a heli messes up a shot and you know and it needs a quarter of a kilometer to turn around and like set up the shot again a quad can do a roll and just be back on lock in like half a yeah. second you're like oh i and missed that turn go boop boop and i'm behind it again yeah exactly and, and if you put like prop guards on it, it becomes like a lot safer option too so you can get you know you could really get close to someone if that's what they desired yeah, I think prop cars are the key, man. That's uh, yeah. I need. To, I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, at least you'd be able to fly them indoors then. 
Yeah, I really want to build up one of those like Cinewhoops, the three inch with the hero on it, like way underpowered but super stable and safe and non intrusive. Like people see it and they're not like they're like, oh, I think I saw that at Best Buy or like on Amazon. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't look like a racing quad looks a little home built and a little intimidating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you speaking like Nurks one? Yeah, like Nurks, and then uh, excuse me, uh, the guy that invented Real Steady that did like the Muscle Beach video, and then he also did like yeah. a Coles a, a commercial, which is a department store here in America, and it was a one take through a department store, like through shoe racks, and like you know just Real Steadied out the wazoo, but it looks so good. Yep, it's dude. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching that original one. Where he flies backwards through the graffiti and then yeah. through the yeah yeah and that's insane yeah like Jordan mentioned I don't know what computer that guy is using to render real steady but like he's rendering in real time which means that machine is like twenty to forty thousand dollars like to get that kind yeah, of video yeah. rendering it's just like it would make it so much more enjoyable because like the part about real steady is like the how long it fucking takes yeah that's uh, I, I see comments about people. Like, uh, are you using Image Stabilizer? Are you using Real Steady for freestyle? And like, yeah, if you knew how long, like, even even with Premiere Warp Stabilizer, if you did a full three minute freestyle clip, it would take like an hour or two hours for my computer to render it, and then it would look shit. But yeah, <clears throat> you'd have to go through and keep keyframe adjustments just to get it to actually look proper. But yeah, a lot yeah. of people don't realize that. It takes forever. For me to use real steady, it either – like I have to think of it ahead of time and be like this is going to be a real steady line, which is going to you know, like fly in a way that it's easier to deal with later. Yep. Like super smooth, no rolls. Like I don't, I don't vouch for using it as a freestyle like additive at all. Like the amount of effort you would have to do to stabilize flips and yaw tricks and shit would be like mm, – yeah. you, you could probably like spend a, send a spaceship to the moon with that amount of effort. <laughs> like it's so much, but you yeah. know, like if you're chasing something like Johnny's Rhino videos or like Air Blasters uh, rally cars or like my building dive video in Kansas City last week, like if you have it planned out, it's a lot easier to deal with. But like someone commented on my dive video and was like, "Is this even real footage?" And I was like, "Yeah, I just figured it'd be easier to actually go out and fly than make a CGI edit." <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sitting in your um, room, just uh, doing all that for a thirty-second video. Yeah, yeah not gonna Bridget. happen. Have you ever messed yeah. around with Real Steady or like? I mean, you said a warp st- stabilizer. You messed around with that? Uh, just, just warp stabilizer. I, I've only looked at Real Steady. I looked at the price of it, and I sort of figured I don't really need to use it for anything. Yeah, no, it's only yeah, extreme, extreme stabilizing, pretty much. Yeah, one trick I learned in warp stabilizer is. If you record in a high frame rate and you slow it down by half and then warp stabilize it at like a incremental values, so you do like you know six, seven, eight percent or something. Yep. And then you like stabilize it, bring it back, slow it down again, and you like instead of warp stabilizing it forty percent, warp stabilize it like seven percent five times. Seems to okay. really have a way better effect than trying to do it all in one go. Yep. It's like five hours, five hours of rendering. Yeah, and <laughs> which, warp stabilizer is like worse in that sense because in real steady, you like you know you just hit render and stabilize and whatnot, and I just do it before I go to bed, and then just leave my computer on all night. But yeah, yeah, warp stabilizer is fast enough that you kind of got to be there every hour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I did like a. 
It was a two-minute real steady clip. It took 13 hours to render, and it dumped out an 80-gig file. Jeez. So much, yeah. Yeah, straight straight to Instagram. Yeah, straight to Instagram. Straight to Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, I have to like down res or like downgrade that file and everything. But yeah, like YouTube's not going to take an eighty gig file. Are you kidding me? Nah, nah. It's like Jeez. the equivalent of like forty videos in one two minute clip. It's like a quarter of the internet at one second. There. What but, uh, flavor are you? What, what do you mean? What flavor? Oh, on here. On your back, yeah. Uh, it is called Alien Piss. And... Alien Piss. Yep. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, and it's blueberry uh, lemonade. Oh, okay. Yeah, is it I, is it coloured? Uh, no, it's just like a little off yellow kind of. I I love the fruity shit over like the baked goods, like you know vanilla, yeah, okay. butterscotch, that kind of stuff. I like the like sour fruity flavors. Yeah, same here. I've got some of the fruit ones somewhere. Yeah, I had a couple of the coffee ones as well. Not too bad. Yeah, with the Jewel, like the little e-cig, I do enjoy the tobacco flavor. It's the only time I've ever enjoyed, like, a tobacco flavor that wasn't tobacco. Yep. But I've been trying to smoke less weed, which makes me vape more, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I try to smoke less weed, makes me smoke more cigarettes. Try to yeah, smoke the, less the, cigarettes, smoke more weed. It's, it's the, the oral fixation, man, for me. Like yeah. The, having something. And it's, like, such a good stress reliever. I think... It's a common theme in FPV. Like most pilots I've ever met either smoke or vape. Like they have some kind of like a little, you know, that I need the, I need to feel something. Yeah. And do you fly high? Uh, yeah. I mean, not like ripped. Um, like I'll fly, okay. So I will fly, like I love getting super baked and flying if I'm on like private property, you know, like on someone's ranch where I just know I can put in two headphones and if someone's in this field, they're the ones breaking the law. Yep. Um, But otherwise, I don't enjoy flying high at all. Um, It makes me paranoid and it makes me not as fluid in my movements. Like I second guess things. Okay, yeah. Uh, But like a beer or two, uh, that's a real good sweet spot. Yeah, that's a – <clears throat> liquid courage it's a dangerous one yeah it, dude, I, it is a, it's a sweet spot man like one to two drinks yeah. is ideal three and i hope i brought 10 sets of props yeah yeah i was away working and i brought my drone with me and um i'd had a few drinks with some of the guys from work and they're like get your drone out get your drone out so i was sitting around it's quite a small hotel area too and i was sitting around like flying in and out of the rooms and like under people's chairs and over their heads and stuff and i was thinking to myself i was like this is only because i've had three or four drinks like, <laughs> yes, I, if i had had one drink i'd be over there flying it sort of thing if i had none no drinks i would have said nah i don't think i'll fly but if, I, uh, just in buzzing around <laughs> yeah if that's the case johnny's an alcoholic <laughs> yeah 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 he has to be uh but I think, like, flying, like, I love playing The Sims super high because it just makes me super creative. Uh, like, you know, just doing movements that, like, don't even make sense kind of shit. But, you know, for the most part, if you're flying around people, you should definitely be not necessarily sober, but judgment not impaired. Like, if you sm- like, if you're a person that smokes weed 9 to 5 every day, then you're probably not going to be too affected if you smoke before you fly. But you, you know, just be smart about it and safe because nothing's ever going to happen unless the FAA finds out. Yeah. yeah, It's like speeding or something. 
Yeah, speeding on an open road out in the country. It only matters if you get caught. That's it. Or if you do something stupid, which just makes it easier to get caught. I think it's quite rare to, to get in trouble for flying, unless you're doing something. Not, I wouldn't necessarily say really dumb, but you'd have to be doing something pretty stupid. Or like a, that plane video. I'm not sure if that plane video is um, real or not. If you remember where he... Yeah, the J.O. video. Yeah. Like, obviously, that caused a lot of um, a lot of people talking, like the, the news, and especially in the FPV community. Yeah. It's I, quite hard to get to that point, though. It's quite hard to get to that point, and, you know, like, in, not in, even outside of FPV, like, you ever look at media, and it paints society as, like, a bad thing, and then you meet actual people, and, like, 95% of them are pretty nice, normal people? Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's kind of basically how, the basis. Yeah, like I think that's how FPV is. Like it's like drunk driving or doing anything stupid. There's going to be like the one to two outliers that are just fucktards. Um, but I really hope that governing bodies like the FAA and whatever you guys have punishes that person and not the community. Yeah, it, they always punish the community though. That's that's typically the like, way do, it goes, doesn't it? Send that person, like, to jail for 10 years. I don't care. Just leave the laws the same way. Yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't like, baby-proof everything. Yeah. Which is what they'll eventually try to do. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, like, I don't know how it is down there, but like we always say here is I've never seen an FAA cop. Nah, there's never. Uh, we have CASA. Yeah. And my direct across-the-street neighbor, like, 40 meters to my left is the FAA headquarters. I live across the street from them. Yeah. And I, they're not particularly worried about the like five inch drones flying around in parks and stuff like that, are they? It's like. It's those phantom terrorists. Yeah, it's <laughs> actually people like in the airspace messing around in places they shouldn't be doing. Yeah, totally. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure someday. I really don't think that a five-inch quad could really take down a plane unless it hit it, like, in the most fucking one-in-a-million perfect ways. And it's like that video that Stingy put out a way long time ago where he was like, the capacity of a 1,300 milliamp battery is so low, you know, in terms yeah. of getting to where a plane is. Unless you're flying right next to an airport, you're not going to be in its realm at all. Yeah, and, like, the obviously the possibility is there. If someone wanted to do it, they could do it. But um, you can you can say that about anything that's remote control, <clears throat> remote yeah. controlled and can fly. It could be a plane, a helicopter, a phantom, anything. Yeah, you could totally drive an RC car onto an airport tarmac from a remote location and fuck shit up if you like. If yeah. that was your agenda, you know, like there's a thousand ways to do it. Put a big um, big knife on it and run into the the tire of the plane or something. I don't know. Battlebots, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flip <laughs> yeah, the plane over. Yeah, uh, it would be really sick to fly around a jetliner that was just parked, though, not even flying. I'd love to do that. It's because it's, it's forbidden. That's why. If you could do it every day, you'd be like, I'm so sick of flying around planes. I want to like go to a park or something. Yeah, something you know, like a nice tree to fly around. It's planes and bandos are just boring. Yeah, I fucking hate these. I, this whole abandoned amusement park. I'm so sick of it. Oh, would well, that be like? That'd be the prime FPV gold mine. Dude, a, a, 
amusement park and then off of the coast of nagasaki japan like nine miles i found in a completely abandoned island like i'll just scroll through google earth and just like look around the world for crazy abandoned spots and there is an entire abandoned island that used to have five thousand people on it and it's like like coast to coast high rises just just no one there and no one there it's where in the the James Bond with Javier Bardem. It's where he had his like his villain lair was on that island. Okay. And I was just looking it's, one day at like most like craziest places on Google Earth, and I was like, ah, oh, that'd be a sick place to FPV. And I looked at it on Google Earth, and I was like, oh my god, it's like thirty apartment buildings on an empty island. Just need to do like a, a mega FPV tour where you, it's like a I wouldn't say exclusive, but like 50 people can come and it's quite an expensive tour and you just travel around to all these abandoned places, just every like dream spot you could think about. Just yeah, it'd be, get, I've, get shit done. I've thought about it because like in America, you know, national parks are forbidden, but you can get a film permit and a film permit is not cra- It's like 500 bucks for a one person crew. So like it'd be sick to get. You know, like Road Riot or like Rebel or Beta Flight or whatever, get companies to like front the money for like a ten-person group of pilots to just go like shred the Grand Canyon for a day. Yeah, yeah. Content for days. Yeah, exactly, and that's the sort of material that gets like turns viral. Yeah, because I don't think a park flying video has gone viral since 2015. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Eh? Ever since <laughs> Chapu did some videos, that's when it all sort of faded out. Yeah, ever since then, it's like, you know, you. I think the location and the, the subject matter of the video is almost as important. Like, Johnny didn't do crazy shit with those rhinos, but people are just eating it up. Uh, a lot of people are, uh, um, do you mean in a positive or a negative way? Because it's, it's quite I, both. I think positive for the most part. Like, it's such a novel shot. And to all the people in a negative way, like, dude, fuck you. Yeah, it's like uh, they keep going on about stressing the animals like an animal's never been stressed. You know, like a, a say it's a 30-minute experience altogether. He does 15 packs or something like that. In its lifetime, I'm pretty sure it's been stressed a lot more than those 30 minutes or some like weird thing flying around it. It's not going to like kill yeah, it. Yeah, it's not going to kill it. The size of the quad relative to the animal and the thickness of it, like, it's not like he was chasing, like, a rare species of birds. Yeah. You know, like, this is, like, the... the Which would still be okay because they get chased, you know what I mean? Like, they're not just out there going, oh, yeah, we're sweet with it. He's chasing the bowling ball of animals. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and that thing's not going to be stressed at all. The people invited him to go out there, and to me, even if the worst fucking thing happened, that animal would still be fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, if it was me, I would have just said, hey, listen, there was poachers, and we are chasing the rhinos away from the poachers. And then they'd yeah. just be like, oh. Oh, oh that's a good call. God. Yeah. Good call. <laughs> well, you should have used the car to chase them, not a drone, because they're scary. Yeah, and in the big and spectrum it, of stuff, you know, like if Johnny's video brings awareness to, um, like, rhinos dying out then it's for the greater cause for sure yeah yeah, exactly but yeah i mean people love to hate too right no it's drama people love drama don't they yeah they love it some of the comments they said um what was it 
it's like, oh, great, thanks for this. Now people are going to take their drones and film rhinos all the time. And I thought, how's that, how's that, like, how's yeah, that that's, even possible? That because that's not go, like a $4,000 investment just to get yeah, there. just to go, go chase some rhinos for a clip that may or may not even, like, be seen by anyone. <laughs> yeah, and let alone, like, take the, you know, three to four years of honing your craft to where your thumbs and your tune are, like, pretty much perfect. Yeah, yeah. Like, Next you week know. you see on Rotorite just people chasing animals, just oscillations and wobbles and shit everywhere. Yeah, but it's going to be like fucking bot grinder chasing a muskrat through a ditch. Not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, I think we'll wrap it up here. I got to go to Tiny Whoop headquarters here in five minutes. Whoop town. Are you flying or are you just uh, conversing? Yeah. Uh, so it's always for the flying, but I end up conversing and like just eating pizza and drinking beers. Cause we have the tiny whip invitational a month in a month. And like, I got invited this year for the first time, but like the people I'm going to be racing are people that fly whoops like year round, you know? So whoop, like prop, proper whoop pilots, like a, they're a whoop pilot. Yeah. Like Velcro FPV just flying. posted a video of him flying a whoop and I'm like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> like... <laughs> Even if I flew every day for the next month, that's not going to happen. So I go up there to, like, converse and hang out and fly a little bit. Because Jesse does have – like, he has, like, a kaleidoscope tunnel. It's, like, a tunnel full of mirrors and lasers and shit. Yep. So it's, like, the Wonka factory, but uh, I'm not, like, you know, training per se. I um, I thought of an idea. It could already be out there. I'm not too sure. But you get your whoops and you make them look like mice. And then you, f- you fill the, like, a warehouse full of cats. And the Ooh. obstacle course, you got to fly around, swipe them out of the air. Do that tails I, on them and stuff. I just went to my mom's house for Thanksgiving for vacation. And there was four dogs in the house, and I could just fly that whoop around all day, and they would chase it. Like, and a few times they got in their mouth and whatnot, and I had some DVR feed yeah. of like their teeth, but they they like don't stop chasing it. Like I have to stop because they'll just hyperventilate themselves trying to get it. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Good good exercise for like, them. Like three packs in, and they're just like laying down on the floor. Uh, but before we get out of here, any sponsor shout-outs or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I'll just give a shout-out to Armitan for basically keeping us going, and same to Mayhem RC. Crushing it. Uh, and YouTube channel is Overflow. Instagram is Overflow. Yeah, I think I think my YouTube is actually, like, the URL is Greg Phillips Edits, but if you just search Overflow, then, yeah. Same um, for Instagram. And real quick, how'd you come up with Overflow? It was on a toilet truck. <laughs> Spelt differently, though, but I was behind a truck. And and o- like, a toilet truck? Oh, dude, that's... Then cool. I had something like... Um, I'm so glad I over, asked that. Overflow or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A few people have asked me, and I've told them that, and they're just like, oh, okay. But yeah. Well, hell yeah, man. It's Thanks nice. for doing the show. I'm glad we could finally link up. Um, I know... We didn't earlier, but this was a good episode. And keep doing what you're doing, man. I think you're one of like, like if I see a Greg Phillips edit, I can tell it's a Greg Phillips edit, which is a very unique quality in this, this Bobby. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's been good chat. Yeah, stay in touch and have a good one. Peace. Cheers.